Hey, Scream Therapy listeners. As you might imagine, doing the Scream Therapy podcast over the past year and a half has been emotionally heavy and a lot of work. Now that the podcast has reached 40 episodes, I've decided to take a break for a while so I can come back recharged. But fear not, during Scream Therapy's absence, I'm bringing you a spin-off podcast. It's called Flex Your Head. Each episode, I dissect a classic punk album with one of my dear friends as a guest. This episode, I bring on my friend Mike Isaacson. Mike and I met a few years ago at a punk rock show on my friend Carlos's goat farm, believe it or not. Mike's the bass player and singer in Victoria, BC's Crashing Into Things. Him and I once spent nine days together on a tour. If we survive that, we can survive anything. Welcome to the second episode of the Scream Therapy spin-off podcast, Flex Your Head. Here we go. Hey, Mike, how's it going today? Good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. So what album are we talking about today? We are talking about No Means No's Classic Wrong. Right on. Okay, so No Means No's Wrong came out in 1989. It was their fourth album, widely considered to be their best. And I'm just wondering the opening thoughts on this album. There's a lot to handle here. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I think of the album, I just have to go back to being, you know, 16 or 17 and trading some of my uh, hockey cards for some cassettes that a guy (laughs) that I worked with dubbed on to tape. Gave me some great music, but man, just hearing that, knowing that it was some local guys that had made it and how incredibly good it was. For me, that's definitely kind of top three for the most impactful albums on me in my life, I would say. I remember getting the cassette as well, and I don't know how I got it or where I got it. (laughs) I used to be a huge collector of cassettes, and I had hundreds (laughs) of uh, metal cassettes. So all thrash, Mm -hmm. all death metal. I rarely had anything that was outside of that genre, maybe some hardcore stuff. But for some reason, I had this album, and I remember just thinking, what the hell is this? It's so weird, and nah. this isn't even music, you know? <laughs> of course, I uh, grew to love it over the years. I was reading Martin Popoff. I don't know if you know him. He's a, probably Canada's most famous metal writer and, and reviewer, and he gave it a 10 out of 10 in his Collector's Guide to Heavy Metal. He said wrong was the mightiest merger between the hateful aggression of punk and the discipline of heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that kind of sounds like a, a metalhead trying to pull it over to their side. <laughs> it's heavy. No, it's heavy. <laughs> I, I think it's a fun record, really. I mean, Well, they're a fun band. To me, it's a, it's a party record, really. <laughs> <laughs> a party record for experiencing extreme <laughs> existential angst. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what No Means No is, right? It's taking all the futility of of existence and saying well you know what the fuck let's have a good time <laughs> words like jazz core and prog punk and math rock i don't know if you can really describe them i mean sure you can put a you can put these words together and say that's what they are but there's no other band like this and, and wrong was an album that really solidified what they were doing yeah i mean you know all those terms that people like to apply to it but really it just sounds like no means no 
I know I was reading, you know, they had said that wrong was kind of a deliberate departure from small parts, which was more proggy, longer songs. They were just like, let's make some shorter tunes, you know, just kind of more conventional songs and put it out there. So I don't think they weren't thinking of it as their magnum opus. And still to this day, it seems like they none of them think of it as that. But the public and the no means no fans, wrong is generally the number one album by consensus. Yeah, I guess I'd have to write it there. There's a couple close ones. I love small parts. Yeah, Sex Bad, Mr. Happy, and Wrong are my three. Yeah, I think so too. We'll talk about some of the songs, actually. The whole album is amazing. All the songs are great. I think my favorite song on the album is The Tower because it's so dark and brooding, but it also just churns along. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a favorite song off the top? Rags and Bones, which is kind of their all-time number one hit, I guess. That's just such a great song. I love I Am Wrong, which didn't even make it to the original vinyl, only was on the CD. Yeah, and of all things, all lies, two lips, two lungs, one tongue, it's catching up. Those are my favorite. <laughs> so basically the whole album. Yeah, 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 about half of it. The other half's great, too. Of course, it's catching up is, I know, Dave Grohl has it on. Let's his, not talk uh... about Dave Grohl. Let's just, let's just skip that. <laughs> so you're a bass player. And yeah. obviously Rob Wright is, you know, one of the all-time great bass players. Oh, Do you yeah. know anything about the rig that he's using? I think it's just one of the best sounds. It reminds me of Lemmy from Motorhead. I'm not sure if Rob uses the yeah. same kind of bass. but that Basically, yeah, that was the inspiration, was, was Lemmy's sound. But it's a Marshall rig. He plays a Fender, so I'm not a total gearhead. I remember reading that he would go through a lot of basses because he would sweat so much, just rust everything out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a Marshall Reagan. It is modeled after Lemmy's tone. My two god bands back around 16, 17 was No Means No and Husker Du. Yeah. And I didn't listen to Motorhead much until the last few years. And listening now, it's like, holy shit, that's a Husker Du song. You just like, you know, change the lyrical content. And that's a Bob Mould tune right there. Yeah, No Means No. That's where the sound came from and the inspiration. I just want to put it out that I really hate the song Big Dick. <laughs> I've never <laughs> never liked that song. I mean, not just because it's stupid lyrics, but I just don't like the way that that song flows to help. It's funky. You don't like the Minutemen though, right? I do like the Minutemen more so in the last couple of years. I never really got into okay. them too much back in the day, but yeah, I mean, I'm growing to love them. Yeah. I mean, do you think that No Means No was inspired by all these bands everything i've read no it's yeah. like they came up with their their own thing yeah. um i have kind of seen you know rob wright sort of laugh off the or rob and john laugh off the thing that they were like inspired by the minutemen it's like no they were just coming up at the same time that definitely wasn't like they weren't sitting around listening to minuteman records and going "Ooh, let's you know let's do this <laughs> they come up with their own thing independently I and mean, they never got to play together either i was just reading they did play with Firehose a few times but and i know mike watt is a big fan and i'm sure vice versa okay. I always like albums where the singer just at random points goes, yeah, and then the song keeps going. That's one of my favorite things. And Rob does that a lot on this record. (laughs) Yeah, those stop and start breaks, my God. Lyrically, again, lots going on. Some sort of playful Mm -hmm. stuff, well, as playful as they can get, and some real twisted stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's very cheery and optimistic, the end of all things, all lives. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite line on the whole album by far is, well, Christ was married on the cross. My father was married to my mother, and I am married to a cigarette butt lying in the gutter. Well, Christ was married on the cross.
when I first heard that when I was a kid, I was like, whoa, cigarette butt yeah. in the gutter? Classic. So you don't remember how you got introduced to Nomi's Zone in the first place? You just ended up with the tape? I mean, I used to buy tons of tapes, buy slash appropriate tapes mm -hmm. from our local yeah, yeah. chain record store. <laughs> and I don't know if it was just, because what I used to do is I used to buy it based on the cover. So mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. came home one time with a King Crimson album. I was just super disappointed because it was not thrash metal, <laughs> right? Um, you, know the, you know the one. Um, so I don't know why I would have bought this with the cow on the cover. I mean, it doesn't look yeah. like a metal album. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Maybe a friend gave it to me or something, like you were saying, kind of came across it. And I didn't really listen to it. I was kind of like, this is weird. It didn't sound like Death Angel or whatever, right? So right, yeah, yeah. obviously later on, got into it hard when I discovered more of the punk bands. I think kind of hearing that heavy lead bass was startling, you know, because nothing else sounds like that. I had an older sibling that was part of the, the early Victoria punk scene. And so, you know, they knew the guys, but I was never introduced to that. I never went to any of the shows back in the day. I only got to see them three times, kind of like in about the last five years of, that they were going. I remember trying to go down to see a show at the Rat's Nest, probably around 93. And by the time we got there, there was like a line of 100 people. And, <laughs> Yeah, there was no way. But, More people uh, that can actually fit in the rat's nest. Yeah. More people in line. Any songs that stand out on wrong lyrically that come to mind right away? I just like the lyrics. I like Rob Wright's lyric writing, period. I mean, it, you'll often see it come up that how big a fan of James Joyce he is. Um, and I actually poked around on that. The only thing I came across was this Alan McInnes, the writer in Vancouver's Alienated in Vancouver blogspot, touched on W.B. Yeats's influences. Because Rags and Bones, like there's a Yeats poem, The Circus Animal's Desertion, that ends with the line, the foul rag and bone shop of the heart. And then Yeats also has a, a poem, and, as well as a collection called The Tower. So I'm going to guess that right, he was reading a lot of W.B. Yeats at the time. It's an interesting thing, you know, I'm a lyricist as well, you know, with poetry, there's an absolute freedom, especially, you know, in modern poetry, you can write whatever you want, you know, things don't need to rhyme. Uh, you know, with songs, things tend to need to be more concise, rhyming can be very useful. And, you know, within that context, that's a challenge in its own right. Man, Rob Wright's just one of the masters of it and, you know, saying so much, just a few descriptive statements you know like the lyrics to the tower this uh this the looming the red eye <laughs> yeah yeah the, the surveillance state couple that with songs about big dicks and <laughs> yeah. it's not like all the songs are one tone like a slayer album or something it's very much all over the place and no for sure yeah like that yeah and, and the shared songwriting too you know andy kerr wrote three or four of the songs and they're fantastic as well. So, and that also kind of helps mix things up a bit, right? Yeah. My Matulip's Too Long is a fantastic song. And, you know, that that's his. Did you read about how Rob Wright had some problems with his throat on the first two albums? It's and not then... surprising, is it, listening to <laughs> what he's doing to his poor vocals? On this album, he was able to come back and do more lead vocals. Yeah, I guess he's, he does lead on about half of it, right? You can tell the difference between the two, but it's also not a huge disparity. So I remember back in the day, you know, who's doing vocals on which? Like, 
I kind of have an easier time telling now. One of the best drummers ever. John Wright, who has <laughs> been your drummer as well. <laughs> oh, he's unbelievable. He really is. Yeah. The drum rolls at the beginning of the yeah. album. It's just, yeah. And, and I always wondered if he's doing some vocals as well because he did the Hanson Brothers. You know, he sang in that. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like he's maybe popping in here and there with the higher pitch. You should ask him, yeah. Yeah, I think he probably is in there. I think he's credited for some vocals, yeah. Mm-hmm. The female vocals on The End of All Things, it's a woman named Danielle Gagne. And I was curious about her. She does an amazing job. It's a beautiful song. Her vocals are fantastic. As an aside, I, I Googled her, and it looks like she's had a very cool career. She's a multidisciplinary artist. She didn't ever record anything else. She's got no other recording credits. Um, but she's still singing about the choirs and stuff and doing art therapy as well in Vancouver. So nice. anyways, that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, and then Mark Critchley was credited as Orchestra Bells, and he was in mm-hmm. a band called Itch out of Vancouver. Right. So They didn't really have a ton of other people that sang as guest vocalists over the years, I don't think. So that's pretty, pretty cool. How jello. <laughs> yeah, on a whole album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great album. I told you about how it's Andy that's wearing the cow mask on the cover. Right. Yes. Yeah. I always thought it was Rob for some reason. It's got the priest. <laughs> yes, that's right. It came back later with Mr. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's, you know, not aware at this point, of course, the very title of the album wrong is a pun. It's the big Wright Brothers pun. And then later, you know, that would come up more with Rob Wright's solo, Mr. Wrong thing, and there was Mr. Wright and Mr. Wrong. I didn't actually get that until recently because I'm a dummy sometimes. <laughs> that cover art, I was thinking, would make a wonderful cover for a dual volume of 1984 and Animal Farm. It's yeah. got a good vibe off both of them. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Pretty appropriate, I think. We talked a little bit about memories around the album. Do you have any more memories that you can share mm. just remembering being you say 16 17 and, and just how hard the album hit me you know not getting to see them live but again just knowing that they had been local they were over in Vancouver at that point they inspired so much I mean around the world but certainly the Victoria scene I mean a couple of years later I got to walk in and watch Pigment Vehicle playing live at Harpo's and then Pigment probably being the best of the really heavily no means no influence bands locally Pigment were a fantastic band and they just completely blew me away. As you know, you know, being up in Pella River, you're a homeboy with John Wright. He's a little north of you, but he's got the pub in town there. There's kind of a community that has certainly been nourished by the no means no connection, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Colin from Pigment Vehicle is up in Pella River too. You know, John moved up there with some of the old Victoria punks. That's helped create this aspect of the community up there. And then and that spreads out too. I was wondering, like, would you and I know each other without knowing snow? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm not sure, right? It's interesting too, because John's been up here for a long, long time as far as having his property out in Lund, which is mm-hmm. north of Powell River, kind of the end of the road there. There's references to Lund and stuff from way back in their liner notes. Yeah, yeah. And I'd heard stuff here and there about him being here, but until meeting some other friends of friends to even realize and make that connection. And then you know, like you said, he was drumming in some of our jams and stuff, which is really fun and mm-hmm. weird being in front of him and looking back. You know, <laughs> oh, okay, John's drumming and I'm here doing my thing and yeah, really, yeah. really weird, but super, super fun. Pell River Punk Jams existed for several years, played, I don't know, at least probably 20 shows. Yeah, something like that. It was a free for all. Whoever was partaking that night, the you know, other bands uh, on the bill or, or whoever was in town would be playing. And John Wright drummed for you many times. Yeah, no, that was great. 
Yeah, our guitarist Adrian, I know after he got to join in one of the punk jam sessions, he said at the end, you know, that he could die happily now that he <laughs> played with John Wright. So <laughs> we have a friend, Nelson from Nelson, and right. he came up for a trip and I threw him on stage with John and he was just <laughs> <laughs> ear to ear smiles. But that's a testament to these guys as well. And Wrong was a record that definitely changed a lot of people's lives, but they were mm -hmm. never the kind of people that would be like, oh, we're the guys that did this. Mm -hmm. Heard about them on this tour going and playing a show somewhere back east and they played with some hardcore band some band that you know brought a lot of people in and then no means no played last and there was nobody there people all left after the hardcore band and they were super gracious you know with the promoter and they were just happy to be there and i mean that's yeah. just who these guys are and i think the interesting dichotomy is this really dark intense music and they're really nice folks and that's pretty common in punk metal it's that yin and yang thing mm -hmm. i usually go online and this is this is wild but i actually like to read the youtube comments i know it's supposed to be yeah, yeah. something that you shouldn't do <laughs> oh no means no it's okay <laughs> for sure i think i saw one negative comment <laughs> i grabbed a couple so this is by sleuthed and they posted four years ago and they say Two years ago, I was wearing my No Means No shirt, and I randomly passed out while on my stairs and nearly gave myself a concussion. Went to the ER, and they did an EKG to see if it was the heart thing. In came a dude covered in tattoos who saw my shirt, and we talked about punk. He knew of No Means No while they put electrodes on my body. I was fine, by the way. <laughs> that one gets me. That's a good one. <laughs> this one is from Even Berg six years ago. I hand shook the drummer for some time ago, and Johnny Wright has the warmest, most comforting hands in the universe. <laughs> One strong memory of No Means No I have, being about 20, you know, in my old band, and my bandmate and I would go and hang out at Scott Henderson's place. Scott was a Victoria legend, old friend of No Means No from way back, and Scott's been in some great bands himself. Um, he was in Show Business Giants with Tom Holliston from No Means No. Of and his Sonola as well with Andy Kerr. Yes, that's right. I asked all with Andy Kerr, so, you know, very strong, no means no connection. And we would just go over to Scott's place sometimes, and he would expose us to new music, like, you know, amazing Japanese folk music and things like this. We hadn't called to say we were coming over, so we just walked through the door, and this was at his old studio in Colwood, the Sea of Shit, and the sound coming from the other side was like, oh my God, no means no is in here recording right now. Like he knew that was Rob Wright playing bass on the other side. Must've been demos for the world hood of the world. And I know Scott's credited with as an assistant engineer recorded in Vancouver. So like I said, I guess it must've been demos. I'm not sure, but wow. <laughs> you know, <that> was, <laughs> you're hearing that bass on the other side of that door. Yeah. Man. Did you read any of the sort of goofy news postings? Obviously all made up. Oh, like on their website? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The website's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be Tom Holliston because this is Tom's oh, yeah. humor for sure. But going back to a post he did in 2009, No Means No to Record Wrong. No Means No's seminal sophomore effort, Wrong, so not sophomore, <laughs> has long been a fan favorite and the band's only gold record. <laughs> but very few people realize that it was actually originally conceived and recorded as an Andy Kerr solo project with drumming provided by show business giants mainstay Scott Henderson ah. <laughs> however label pressure courtesy of Jello Biafra and his main henchman Greg Workman forced Kerr to pull a Tony Iommi and release it under the far more marketable No Means No Banner <laughs> initially Andy wished to call the project Quicksilver Incarnation 
Since John, Raul, and Rob Wright have spent years touring and playing many of the songs from Wrong, they felt that it was time they recorded the album with the sound they have become famous for. Bay Area thrash as done by Canadians. (laughs) (laughs) If you have time, anybody out there has time, this stuff's just hilarious. He's probably written 30,000 words on there of just these urban myth tomes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So Tom Holliston, of course, came in after Andy Kerr left the band and and play guitar after. Mm -hmm. That is also a local resident of your region there, right? They're all gravitating towards this area. I'd like to say it has something to do with me, but I was in Victoria during that whole time I came here. So I came back and realized they'd all moved here. But anyways. I asked Scott Henderson if he had any good anecdotes about wrong. He said nothing specific except that when he first heard those songs played live, it was one of the greatest musical experiences of his life. Scott's had a lot of musical experiences, but yeah, you can imagine. You're going to play some new tunes tonight. (laughs) Here comes Rags and Bones. Holy shit. They recorded that live and cuddly live album on that same tour, which I love. Mm-hmm. Europe was where they caught on. I was reading an interview with Rob or John, and they'd said that there was a time when the three big North American punk acts for Europe were Fugazi, Bad Religion, and No Means No. They were the top of the pecking order for playing festivals and things. And of course, they got to play the closing slot at that what Rockskilde Festival in Germany or somewhere over there. Sepultura had a conflict, so they couldn't play. So they went on after Peter Gabriel to 60,000 people. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. When I saw them here, the the club that's had a million names under the Strathcona district or whatever, just about 10 years ago, I think it was like a Thursday night. I mean, it was full, but it was also just like, God, here's one of the greatest bands of all time playing in their hometown. They should be playing to thousands of people not a, not a few hundred packed in here but, i saw them in yeah. seashelt my friend jamie put on a show for them and they oh, were wow. setting up and you know seashelt almost as hit and miss as pal river as far as getting people out jamie was a really amazing promoter he would do everything to get people out i was there thinking okay no means no do people really know who they are here and mm-hmm. sure enough it was just packed their names so widespread to the point of probably being doa and them are kind of very close and in recognition. Mm-hmm, yeah. You can put on a show in any little place and people are going to come out, except for Port Alberni. <laughs> <laughs> right. As we know, yeah. Don't bring DOA to Port Alberni. No, no. I'll never do that. <laughs> Who would ever have that idea? Any final thoughts? This album has meant a, whole, a lot to me. I'm mean, obviously as someone who ended up being a singer slash bassist from a Victoria band. How could anything be more impactful than having one of the all-time greats from your hometown and being able to be somewhat connected to it? I did ask John to produce one of our albums, but then he was like, well, uh, yeah, I'm interested, but I might be buying this pub. (laughs) (laughs) And sure enough, he did buy the Wildwood Pub in Pell River, where you can all go, go pay a visit to the uh, great drummer himself. It's not uncommon to have people come and do that. I know people have come from all over the place. Oh, yeah. He's basically the tourism department at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Get the German tourists coming over. Of course, you're inspired by Rob's playing. Was there things that you could take from that? I think it's more the willingness to have the bass as something of a lead instrument. I don't know if anyone would listen to my playing and go, oh, that sounds like no means no. I haven't gone for the same tone. I might play finger style, so it's different. 
I don't know how he writes, because, you know, I write with just bass and vocals, you know, and lyrics, and then let everybody else compose around that. The fact that he did, why do they call me Mr. Happy? And he's playing guitar on it, too. And I know when I read, he's kind of like, oh, yeah, basically, like, yeah, the guitar is not that great. Sounds pretty great to me. Like, that's an amazing album. So just a really talented guy, yeah. I got to mention the song, which is a bonus track on the CD called State of Grace. Mm-hmm. I just love that song. I think it's just him playing bass and singing on it. Yeah, yeah. No other instruments. And it's just, his voice is so good. It's soulful. That's a very heartfelt song. One more thing, too, is just, you know, the fact that they left off what is essentially the title track to the album, I Am Wrong, (laughs) (laughs) didn't make the cut for the vinyl. Made it onto the CD, didn't make it to the vinyl. I mean, I don't know what the decision process was like for that, but I Am Wrong is such a great song. And I remember there was a guy, Randall Lawrence from Organized Chaos back in the day, who was at the time that I knew him, was in the classical program at UVic. And we were hanging out and, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, no means no wrong. He was like, yeah, he says, I know, like, it's I am wrong, like, you know, those discordant harmonies on the chorus. And I didn't know what he was talking about because I hadn't heard that song because the tape that I had was just a dub <laughs> of the vinyl and I didn't have the CD yet. So I'm like, what? What's he talking about? A song that I don't know? So I went out and got the CD and then it's like, oh my God, this song's amazing. And yeah, just those incredibly wrong harmonies on the chorus. <laughs> so anything that you want to plug at all? Anything that you're working on or? I want to plug the book that our friend Jason Lamb is working on about No Means No. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to be coming up, but I know he's made good progress on it. Check in on on publication date or anything. Hopefully, maybe next year that'll be coming out, and a lot of work has gone into that. Been able to talk to all the members of the band. He's drawn from all the resources, you know, all over the world. That's going to be an amazing book when it comes out, and any No Means No fan's going to want to have that. It's on PM Press, which is a Mm-hmm. publisher out of the States, owned by Ramsey Kanan, who is the owner of AK Press. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think he was saying there's quite a bit of photos and trivia and all that kind of stuff in it too. So not just a basic book. I did ask him if he had any anecdotes about the album that I could share. And he said he couldn't think of anything, but also that he was going to save it for the book if he did. So <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yeah. um, Alternative Tentacles is supposed to be reissuing. I don't know if they've got the rights to everything in the catalog, but that's supposed to be happening soon. Fingers crossed it's going to be all of the albums. Because it's expensive. (laughs) (laughs) We have to start saving up our pennies so we can buy all the reissues. Use No Means No vinyl is going for a lot. Yeah. Do you want to mention the band at all? Oh, yeah. I've got a band called Crashing Into Things, but who cares about that? (laughs) We shut down for a while, but I'm, I'm getting it back on its feet slowly here. You think I'm really going to plug my band? Like, oh yeah, go listen to Wrong and then go listen to us. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listen to Wrong, wait, listen to shitty music for a week, and then go listen to us. You might think we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to listen to the Scream Therapy podcast, which is the podcast I do about yes. punk rock and mental health. I've got 40 episodes. This is the spinoff, doing this for a little while while I recharge my batteries. ScreamTherapyHQ.com. Scream Therapy HQ as in headquarters. No one really gets that. 
you can go there and check out my podcast episodes, my other projects, my writing. Thanks so much for doing this, Mike. It was really fun. And hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. You're the guy that I wanted to talk to because you and I share so much about No Means No, and I know how much you love the band. Yeah, absolutely. And this has been a lot of fun. And yeah, I kind of dove in, doing a lot of reading up and listening over the last couple of weeks, getting ready for this. It's definitely going to fuel me more playing music as well. So yeah, I really appreciate it. Awesome. Take care. You too. Yes. Hello, sir. Fuck you, Good for you. Fuck your head!